Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Football Frenzy. Fantasy Football Frenzy right here on FNTSY. Corey Parson, the Fantasy Executive. Tony Sincata. Coming up this hour, talk a little NFL draft, get into the NFL schedule release. If I can find my dog's dog on... um, Cell phone. Well, where's it at, Tony? Jesus I, I got I got something for you while you're looking. Go for ahead. It here, Rob Gronkowski, of course, did not participate in the Patriots' off-season workouts. When asked if he would participate in the voluntary workouts, Gronk said he won't because he got dirt bike riding skills to work on. Yeah. He also candidly mentioned he will see you will see a freak a leak when he comes back. I don't know what that means, to be honest with you. And he says he'll be back in camp. He's intimating at, but the crazy thing is that workouts are optional. But Gronk has a clause in his contract to get a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar workout bonus that he's uh, eschewing to uh, ride dirt bikes. And that dirt bike deal must be worth five hundred thousand. <laughs> and does he know that's how Madison Baumgartner was out for the season? He must not know that. I can imagine Bill Bill Belichick has probably had it with this dude at this point, Tony. <laughs> you agree? We can't even pay this guy $250,000 to come to camp. And he says he's going to come back as a freak-a-leak? What, what, what does that mean? I, I, now, that, normally I would be able to be your urban dictionary, but I, <laughs> I'm lost with that one too. That's uh, crazy. And then so there's saying, another story, story about – the Raiders expect to exercise Amari Cooper's option for 2019. Raiders GM Reggie McKenzie was somewhat noncommittal when Cooper's option was discussed on Friday, telling reporters he didn't want to put the cart before the horse. However, this was expected to outcome for Cooper, who's coming off a down year in 2017. His option is worth $13.9 million. Yeah, and good, talented young commitment. wide receiver. It, it, it really is. and they, they like him a lot, and Gruden likes him a lot, too. He needs to start showing more of that on the field, though, Tony. I understand a lot of people like him. I'm one of the dudes that 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 does like him also. But and I'm going to be drafting him again in fantasy. But he needs to um, he needs to play better because he was bad he's, last year. He needs to step it up. Do you think the quarterback is an issue there? Do you think they have is that a franchise quarterback? Uh, see, I'm the only guy saying that. You know what? I wouldn't be shocked if they draft the quarterback. And people are like, oh, no, they got car, they got car. I really haven't heard Gruden love him or hate him. Like, I, I like, are, are we, why are we 100% sure this guy's a franchise? I don't think they win a Super Bowl with him. With Carr? Yeah. Well, then, Gruden, then Gruden's better find somebody that can come in that joint. Well, the, the other thing is Gruden has 10 years to figure it out. <laughs> he certainly does, doesn't he? 
How did you get that deal? <laughs> if, I was, if I'm Mark Jackson, I'm asking the Knicks for the same deal. You think Mark Jackson could be the Knicks coach? I, okay, okay. I, I think he's the fan favorite. Really? It's, it's oh yeah, he is because Knicks fans they like that era of Knicks basketball. It makes sense to tell you the truth because there's a guy that wanted Golden State. He set the foundation, and then he was an a-hole, and he gets tossed out. But you learn from that, and I think he feels comfortable in New York. I, I think it would be a good move. I was convinced Jay Wright was going to be the guy, uh, Villanova's head coach. But the more and more I think about James Dolan, he needs like a celebrity coach, like he, uh, Mark Jackson. They're interviewing um, – one of the guys the from TNT. The Jet, Kenny, Kenny Smith. Smith. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a TV guy. Do you think okay. Do you think the Jet put his name in the mix or you think they asked him? Uh I think they asked him. I think that they I think that Dolan watches TNT and says, Well, why don't we talk to him? You know, and that Charles and Shaq aren't gonna coach and decided uh Ask. Shaq has had, you know, Shaq is an amazing man. Like, his career after basketball has been amazing. Like, he is the pitchman for everything. He's becoming, uh, he has, a, he has, he's becoming Peyton Manning. He's like, he's done better. Yeah. He's replaced Peyton Manning as, as America's pitch man. Yeah. Which is interesting. It, it, because he's seven feet tall and 300-something pounds. He's the only seven-foot, 350-pound guy that's not intimidating. Exactly. He's like a teddy bear. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy that's, that that's this case with Shaq. Uh, it is real interesting. So let me ask you this, Tony. Let's start with Mark Jackson. So if the Knicks hire Mark Jackson, who do you put with – with uh, Breen and Van Gundy. Oh, I, I'm I would I'm going to say Doris Burke. Really? See that? I think it'd be a good broadcast, but I think you lose the entertainment dynamic of it. Okay. Like, I like the I like Jeff and Mark. Like they like each other, but they're like two brothers that like like to antagonize each other. Uh huh. I'll tell you who's the best broadcaster basketball wise is Chris Weber. But Weber is too polite too. Like he's like I think he takes himself very seriously and he's taking the broadcast seriously and he wants to be a broadcaster as opposed to a former athlete where the other yeah. guys are talking from a former athlete perspective. So that's a weird situation there. Hey, Kevin Garnett might not be bad either. Oh, I didn't think about that. Kevin Garnett would be good. You could take him off Area Twenty One between quarters. Uh, <laughs> that's why they have him do that show <laughs> where it's on like for four minutes at a time, and they have the lounge chair and they have the hoop there. And I think he goes out, you know, out the fire exit and blazes one up in between sets. Uh, Kevin Garnett's program is called Area Twenty One. I don't know if yeah. Garnett would be in for the travel though. Uh, yeah, you never know. You never know. It would be interesting. And then him and uh, Jeff and Gundy taking pictures next to each other would be awesome too. Oh, that would be that would be awesome. I think. Um, I I don't. I think there's a good chance Jackson turns down the Knicks job, and he stays there. I think that yeah, and I think he's smart enough to know what he went through, and he was with Golden State that he's not going to put him in a situation where he can't win. 
interesting with the summer of 2019 coming. Mark Jackson obviously butted heads with the management when he was in Golden State. Yeah. That kind of led to his exit. And always one of the toughest, always one of the toughest things that I've that I've ever watched was when uh, the Warriors won the championship, and he was calling the game. Yeah. I, 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 that was real uncomfortable, Tony. I'll give the Warriors players a lot of credit, and even the franchise. I thought they did a good job of giving him a lot of credit. Yeah. That's I, it. Just was a real uncomfortable moment because <laughs> you kind of felt as if he should have been there. Yeah. Like yeah, you know, it, it, it was a real uncomfortable moment, and I, and I and I and I always was I always wondered why ESPN didn't just like, you know, you can sit this one out. We understand. Yeah, he's probably the type that uh, that you know. He was like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I can't. I got that. it. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I'll be out there. Interesting. So. I think uh, Doris Burke, I like the Kevin Garnett idea. I think Kevin McHale would be good, too. He's actually, you know, it's crazy. He's actually Oh, do you think good. you need a black guy in the booth? Uh, yeah, you need one. You, need, you definitely need a, yeah. a, a, a black. You know, it's funny. I think people don't. <laughs> I, people, I don't think the average younger generation doesn't think Kevin McHale's a player. <laughs> they might not know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the old Rockets coach. Yeah, <laughs> Kevin McHale is good on TV too. I like yeah, him a lot. But I'm uh-huh. saying, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's like I, I, I don't think people think he's a former player. Yeah, they wouldn't get it. <laughs> no, he's like, uh, you know, he's probably one of the top five forwards in the history of basketball. And if let's just say the Jet Kenny Smith gets the job, who do you replace him with? Obviously, uh, they would try to give Kobe Bryant a billion dollars to do it. I, I, I would if it was me. I wouldn't do. I wouldn't put anyone in there. I would just, just let Shaq and and uh, and uh, Charles do it. You know, without the guy there, because Kenny is quiet and he's good at quick dings. Mm-hmm. If you don't have someone that's where you know willing to take a seat back to those two guys, it could be a disaster. Yeah, and Kobe Bryant is probably likely not going to take a seat back to those oh, two guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how Shaq would feel about Kobe coming in there. <laughs> I figured they should be past that by now. Would you put Isaiah Thomas up there with those guys? Oh yeah, Isaiah would fit in with those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Isaiah. I think I, I think I think Isaiah. If if Kenny the Jet was to get the job, I think Isaiah, Isaiah would is be. a smooth man. There ain't a guy that's effed up more things. <laughs> yeah, and he keeps getting stuff done. Good job, like too, Tony. Yeah, yeah, he's he's as smooth as it can be. And I'll tell you what, he's good. He's good on TV, and he's good on the radio. Yep. I no, I I, I don't have a problem with him. I think he's. I think he has a little bit of humor to him, also. So. Um, I have a problem with what he did to the New York Knicks, but other than that, I'm I'm fine with Isaiah Thomas. Um, and uh, all right, let me ask you this, Tony. We got some you prop who, bets uh, right I got one more guy that would be great, but he'll never do it. Who's um, that? I think TNT should have uh, Mark Cuban on with Kobe and. Uh, oh, that would be real good. Yeah, you know what? I say he wouldn't do it. He would do everything he could to do it, though. I wonder they couldn't make that happen because he's an owner, though, right? I don't know, though. Why? I mean, I don't know. Reaching out, to can you imagine? Like, because then you'd have the players and the owners' side of each everything. 
And then yeah, Cuba's that's true not too, really, but it's got to be some kind of conflict of interest. And he's Cuban's not really an owner because he'll say whatever. Like he's not one of them real owners that will, you know, whatever the league says, he'll just say whatever he feels like. Oh, you know that. <laughs> but you know that. But it's got to be a rule against that. It's like it's got to uh, be a rule against that. It has to be. You can't just have it because then, it, well, coaches and well, coaches and general managers do have shows during the week. Yeah, Jerry Jones goes on the radio. It's not his show. So maybe it could happen. It it would be no one's done it before, and like I said, Cuban would have a hard time doing it because of commitments. But he loves being on TV. He would try to do it. You think he's going to run for president? No, I think uh, I I think the celebrities after seeing Donald Trump in every piece of your your life being put out there in front of the public, and especially now with the uh, Dallas uh, with the sexual problems they have in their front office. Yeah, on the sexual crime. There's no way. Oh yeah, that's right with the sex stuff. That yeah, that you're right about that. So, uh, he's not going to be able to to get that. How would like anybody that has a normal life? How could you run for president? Like every like, you're doing such a disservice to your family. Anything in the world is going to be out there, and for everybody to rip apart. Like if you're like, but it, let's just say you're a Kennedy or you're a Bush, like. You you go through your whole life realizing, you know what, I can't do this, or I can't do that because I might be the president in the United States. And even that, even that didn't work because George Bush still did cocaine in college that everybody talked about. Yeah, yeah. He he certainly did. Recreationally, of course. <laughs> but there's gonna be a lot yeah. of uh, by then everybody's gonna be smoking weed and Yeah. We're about to really see. I'm about to say, Tony, listen to this. In the next five years, we go, look how far we've come, Tony. In the next five years, we're going to be able to place a bet online and, yeah. and, and walk outside smoking a joint. Yeah, it's getting crazy. The world's gotten crazy, man. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with I, it, too. <laughs> I'm fine I, I with it. I can place a bet online. I'm having a hard time. My bank made it, just made it recently hard, hard for me to get paid. Oh, really? That sucks. Yeah. but uh, They got because of the foreign transaction? Yeah, so I believe I have a, uh, a way around it. I'll report back next week if it worked. Well, I appreciate Tony that. is going to be now a Bitcoin owner. Also, that's how you can that's how you can transfer the currency. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. What do you do with one of those bitcoins, though? I mean, where can uh, you the, spend the, it? At? Well, I, I don't know the situation in New York, so you can yeah. spend it on other things, or you uh, you get a this place called Coinbase, but don't use Coinbase for gambling activities. And it's a uh, blockchain. Use blockchain. You can basically take the blockchain to hold the uh, Coinbase, uh, to hold your to hold your Bitcoin, mm-hmm. and then you withdraw from blockchain, and they'll convert it to U.S. dollars to your bank account. All right. Well, very good. Um, we hope that works. Tony, we next give you all the information here. We whatever you, you need, to, we got you covered. How to launder money and pay yeah. Good show on this channel. Uh, I think we're going that route. You know, in the next five years, that's funny. We talked about we'll be able to make a bet online. We'll be able to walk outside smoking pot. And I think the Fantasy Sports Radio Network will have a laundering money channel. Uh, show. <laughs> a money laundering hosted by Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
Hey, next segment, Tony. We got Emory Hunt coming up. We'll talk about some of the latest stuff. You know he does a good job covering NFL draft. Ton of his work right now on our YouTube channel. And I get you all the particulars on Emory where you where you can follow him on Twitter and stuff like that. But I want to bring Emory in, in like all the conversations we've been having. And Tony, me and you, we've been doing this for a little while now, like a little over an hour. So let's get Emory on for two segments. Let him do most of the talking. Yeah, Emory's ready and raring to go. He actually went to some of these guys uh uh, and watch them work out for the NFL teams, the Senior Bowl and things like that. So uh, this will definitely be good. There you go right there. The Czar of the Playbook, Emory Hunt, coming up on the other side. Hop in, talk a little bit of NFL draft talk with him. So looking forward to that. Stand tuned. Stay tuned, excuse me. Hang on. Bring in Emory Hunt. Got two more segments to rock with you on a Sunday afternoon. You want to get involved, 844-843-6879. It is the Fantasy Football Frenzy. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Fantasy Football Friends, the FNTSY Radio, the exec, and Tony Sincata. Don't forget, coming up this Thursday, starting at 8 p.m. East, will be pick-by-pick coverage of the first round of the NFL Draft from a fantasy perspective. Catch it right here. Subscribe to FNTSY on YouTube. It'll pop up, and you can rock with us on Thursday night. Rock and Rollies, the ball is going to be jam-packed. Supposed to have some of the ladies from Bikini Boxing in the house, so... Getting it set up for another go-around of the program we did last year. And uh, on that program with us last year was my guy, Emery Hunt. Emery was suited and booted last year. Um, I told E not to show me up again this year because I'll have on a Dallas Cowboy hat and a white T-shirt. Emery, what's good with you, my man? I'm cool, man. How's it going? I'm doing well. Got Tony Sakata on the line with me. Emery, are you going to be suited and booted again this year? Probably so, man, most likely, because I'm trying to figure out now how I want to go. Last year I went dark blue, uh, which popped on camera with the red tie. Now I'm trying to figure out do I want to go red, do I want to throw a green jacket, or do I want to throw a baby blue? I don't know. I'm, I'm still up in the air about it. All right, so there you go. There you go right there. E, let me hop right into it with you. Me and Tony were talking about it a little bit earlier in the program. And like I said, just going to go all around some stuff with you today. Um, UF, UCF. Unveils the championship banner, gives their players championship rings that say undefeated 2018, uh, 2018 national champions. What do you think about this? I kind of like it, man. Going back to the old school way of just like anointing yourself national champion. Because, again, until someone beats you, who's to say that you're not the best? Especially when you've beaten uh, someone from what they perceive to be the quote-unquote best conference in college football. They made Auburn look like uh, – what uh, American Athletic Conference team? So I, I like it. Gives the, their players some pride. Put that banner up and, and wear it proudly. Yeah, I, I like it too. I, they had the parade and everything. 
Uh, so they're, they're getting it done. You know, the problem is, is the system is so corrupt. I was saying, you know, everyone will say, oh, their out-of-conference schedule is not bad. It's because nobody will play them. And no one's going to take the chance to play them in losing to them. Exactly. Think about it. That's what a team like uh, North Dakota State goes is going through because you've beaten these, these FBS programs constantly. Now when you say, hey, it's North Dakota State online, click. They hang up. Oh, tell them we're not here. We're not available. <laughs> no one wants to play them no more. So that's why they have to find. Uh, someone made made the comment last year about their schedule not being as tough as before. It's not because they hadn't tried. They would want to play the Kansases, the Kansas State, the Iowa State, and teams probably of a higher profile. But those teams don't want to play them now because they saw what they did to Kansas State, Iowa State, and Iowa. Eves, um, right quick, Des Bryant has been in the news a lot the past couple of weeks. He's been a topic kind of the whole season, his dip in production. Do you think he's washed up or do you think it's still something there? Would you blame – whose fault is Des Bryant's dip? Is it Dak's fault or is it Des's fault? I think it's Des's fault because Des just doesn't look like the same explosive athlete that we've seen him throughout the course of his career. Father Tom is undefeated. And, you know, he still probably is dealing with some effects from that foot injury. So – until he gets fully healthy, 100%, and, and regains that, that burst, that explosiveness, he's right now more along the lines of a possession receiver. I think we're just going to have to – we saw this happen before with a guy like Michael Crabtree. When he came out of college, he had that burst, he had the explosiveness, and then he got injured, and we started to see him just slowly develop into a possession receiver. And I think that's uh, the traje- trajectory that Dez is on his way uh, uh, following. It's interesting because, you know, you have two statistics out there from next-gen stats uh, that prove uh, that he, he's somewhat useful and some of the time. He's 55th out of 56 wide receivers at gaining separa- separation, but he's the third best when covered at catching balls. What do you think about a team taking Des Bryant and moving him to the slot and forgetting about keeping him outside? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. The difference with playing in the slot, you got to really – rely on a guy having the the wherewithal, the, the spatial awareness and the football awareness to understand coverages on the fly. That's why you can do do that with a guy like a Marcus Colson or a Larry Fitzgerald. I don't know how savvy Des Bryant is at finding soft spots in the zone. I don't think he's that technically sound of a route run. I think he's best suited on the outside. If you're going to move him, uh, he's probably best suited as a flanker where you can kind of direct him to where he needs to be and sit down in the zone. But as a slot receiver, you got to constantly reach up on the fly and anticipate. You got to almost be like a quarterback uh, in that regard. I don't think that's that's his game. Talking Emory Hunt and Zaw the playbook. E, so you you've been to Mobile to the Senior Bowl, right? You've been to right. in, Indy to the Combine. Did you go to any? Where else have you been since the Super Bowl? Well, since the NFL season ended and we've started this draft process. It started actually at the Tropical Bowl at, in Daytona Beach. Then it went from there to the East-West Shrine Game in, in St. Petersburg, then to Mobile, and then to Indianapolis. They have some beautiful sun-kissed women down in Florida, don't they, E? <laughs> Florida does. <laughs> does grow nice. <laughs> e, let me ask you, through the whole process, what's been some of the your, – your, your, what's been some of the top players you've seen, some of the, some of the, um, some of the things that stuck out to you from this, this year as we get closer to the actual day of the names being called? When you look back through this draft season, what's been some of the uh, more memorable moments? I, I like seeing how the smaller school guys are guys that are not as highly rated – take advantage of the lower level 
um, all-star games, like the Tropical Bowl, which I was on the broadcast for, guys that are FBS and also lower divisions that may not be household names, but they pay their own way to compete in that game and show out in front of scouts. They had about 25 scouts out there in, in attendance. So I like to see guys really try to take hold of what they want to be their career um, and really try to show themselves uh, positively in, in, a, in a light again, uh, you know, for scouts. And then also, I, I like how guys take this opportunity to be uh, to be serious about their craft. Two guys in particular that stood out to me this entire process uh, was Deshaun Hamilton, a wide receiver from Penn State, and Justin Watson, the wide receiver out of Penn. Both guys performed extremely well at the East-West Shrine game, so well that they both got the call-up to the Senior Bowl the following week and had a phenomenal week there and just carried it over to the combine. So guys that take the, the process seriously, that have something to prove, that, that really work hard at their craft, it was something that I saw throughout this entire process. You know, it's interesting when you look at uh, some of the, the situations involving this draft, it's looking like the wide receivers in the first round uh, are going to be obsolete. I mean, there's some uh, lines out there from Las Vegas, uh, the over and under wide receivers in the first round, two and a half. How do you feel about the wide receiver position as a whole in this draft? Yeah, I think it's not as top-heavy as we've seen it before. Um, I think it's more around the, I guess if you put a value on it, maybe the 20 to 32 range. So you're going to get some good starters, uh, maybe one or two premier guys. Uh, but even in those those premier guys that I'm that I'm talking about, they're probably best suited maybe around that, you know, 17 to 32 range. Uh, so I agree with Vegas. I do think they're – I would take the over. I think they're going to be three receivers drafted because I believe as you get past 15, uh, you see more teams that could utilize a wide receiver like Dallas, like New Orleans. Um, you know, Baltimore could always use a wide receiver, and even New England. So I, I see teams, at, you know, past 17 uh, that could be in the market for a wide receiver. But I think this is more of a depth class as opposed to a top-heavy class. So let me ask you this, E. Me, of course, being a Dallas Cowboy fan, we need a wide receiver because Alan Hearns not just going to cut it, neither is Terrence Williams. I like Cole Beasley and I like Ryan Switzer, but you got to have more than just those two dudes on the football team. If Calvin Ridley's not there at 19, should Dallas go for a wide receiver in the first round? I think they should because, to me, uh, Ridley is more along the lines of what you already have and, and Alan Hearns, you know, a flanker. Uh, so Dallas would need a splitter. You got slot receivers out the yin-yang with both Beasley and Switzer. So you need an X receiver, a guy that can really hold his own one-on-one on the short side of the field. That could be Cortland Sutton. It could even be James Washington out of Oklahoma State. I think those two would be ideal fits. Now, had you guys kept Dez, I would have said a guy like Christian Kirk would have been the perfect complement to Dez Bryant uh, playing that flanker position because he could play all three, but I think he would be best in a complementary role opposite of a, of a strong uh, quote-unquote number one option. But Right now, seeing what Dallas has on the roster and what they need, I think Cortland Sutton or James Washington would be an ideal fit. And you think both of them are, 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 are not value, but drafting those, drafting one of those two guys at nineteen would work, or can you or can you slide down and get one of those guys? It depends on how to draft ball. I'm I'm big on taking good players when you can, um, okay. but if you're seeing a, a run on certain positions. Okay, maybe we let's say if a quarterback thirsty team is trying to jump up ahead of you, or and trying to get move their way up the draft to take a quarterback that's perhaps falling, then yeah, maybe I could back up two spots and still get the guy I want while also recouping uh, some mid round selections. 
You know, it's really interesting. I think the most controversial player in the draft has become UCLA quarterback Josh Rosen. How do you see this going down on, on the draft day and where Josh Rosen ends up? Yeah, it's interesting to see, man. I just saw Lewis Riddick tweet out something like, I, I hear people say that he is maxed out as a player. What the heck does that mean? Like, stop being stupid. You know what maxed out means. They mean what you see is what you get. Like, this guy is probably is as good as he's going to be. Now, he's a good player, but he won't get any better. And he won't get it. He's just going to get worse as he gets gets older. Um, so I, I see him as a solid prospect, not a a great. Oh, I got to trade up to get him. I do believe the best spot for him, to be honest, is the New York Jets. I think he would be an ideal fit in Jeremy Bates' offense. He can't, uh, he can't get picked by the Jets, though. That's the one thing. And I don't I don't understand how nobody brings this up. The Jets cannot draft him. The owner of the Jets is actually works for Donald Trump's administration. Um, and, and he's, uh, uh, I believe he's the ambassador to Great Britain. Well, you also have to factor this in, too. Money is always uh, king of, 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 of all Trumps, right? And because if you look at the Houston Texans owner and what he has been on record saying, and look at who he A-OK'd them to draft last year in the first round, it's all about W's, and it's all about uh, filling the seats and selling jerseys. And, I, and, you know, I agree with you. On the surface, yeah, it would make sense that it wouldn't be a good fit because of what he said and, and who the owner is. But you just saw what, what went down in Houston. They got Deshaun Watson as their quarterback. So can you win and can you put the ball in the end zone? Yeah, this I president likes to ball. tweet, though. This president likes to tweet a lot. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> e, but I do, I do the, believe Josh Rosen. I'm sorry? Did we lose E? Go ahead. No, no, no. What, you, what, you say about, what was you saying about Rosen? No, I do believe Rosen is, an, is a good prospect, but not a great prospect. Um, a lot of these quarterbacks are being overhyped in this class, in my opinion. Oh, I, I totally agree. I, it, to me, I think it's basic. We're going to have you know five or six, depending on what you believe. And I think it's based on need as opposed to the quality of players out there. And I think they've all been elevated. I think Rosen ends up in Miami. Mm. That's not a good fit, too. E, it's looking like Sam Donald's going to be the first pick in this draft. So it's looking like we're going to see Sam Donald, Saquon Barkley, then um, Sam Donald, Saquon Barkley, and then we'll get uh, another quarterback and then Bradley Chubb is what the rumored first round is, what uh, first four picks is going to be. What do you think of that? I, I wouldn't like it if I was a Cleveland fan, and, and here's why. If I'm picking in the top five and I got a chance to get two of the best players period, in the draft, I want my franchise to do that. And to me, that's taking Saquon Barkley, number one, to ensure the Giants don't take him, and at four, taking Lamar Jackson and then averaging 35 points a game. So, you know, if if it plays out like that, then you take Donald, after you just, you know, crucify ties for turnovers and you draft a guy at number one that led the nation in turnovers, like what sense does that make? And so – you know, I, I hope that, you know, rational heads prevail, that the Browns have listened to this show and realized the best chance to help their team to, to win and, and be a matchup nightmare is to take Barkley and Jackson in the top four. And if you're the Giants, I agree with Tony, you, you don't pick up here normally. So, yes, you may have to reach for a quarterback that may not be second overall value, but Eli Manning, I played against Eli Manning in high school. So we're the same age, and he's not going to get any younger. He's actually not going to get better. 
Um, he has gotten worse the last three seasons. So they have to take a quarterback. They can't take a lineman or a running back. They got to take the best quarterback available while they have this opportunity to do so at the second pick. I didn't know you played against Eli Manning. Yeah, it's 1999, class of 1999, man. Uh, McMahon High School against Newman. We blew them out because we were a public school. They were a private school, so we had more athletes. So <laughs> That's interesting <laughs> commentary. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, man. They couldn't get Eli to get some friends over there to the high school, and, uh, and uh, that's a, a situation there. You know, the running back situation, of course, Saquon Barkley, everybody uh, is aware of that. But there's big discrepancies about the rest of the running backs. A lot of people like some of these guys. But, again, Las Vegas has a low number of running backs going in the first round. How many do you see happen in the first round? I could, I could see two, and I could make a case for three, right? Um, because, again, it's like the receiver position. As you get lower, I would say past 17, you can make a case for a couple of teams taking the tail back and, and uh, rolling with them, the Eagles being one, maybe Pittsburgh because of their, they're tired of playing that cat-and-mouse game with Le'Veon Bell. Um, they could be a surprise there. Uh, you could, your Raiders could be a surprise at 10, you know, considering what they, they have on the roster. So I could make a case for three, but I, I'm, I'm with Vegas. I can see two guys going. Uh, there's some talented back. I think the one back no one's talking about is Rashad Penny uh, and what he brings to the table. From a, Every time I look up, he's, he's scoring a long touchdown run. And I want that guy on my team because of his ability to score from anywhere on the field. So that makes you a really good uh, offense when you have a guy like that in the backfield. Talking with Emory Hunt, Zaw, the game plan. Don't forget this upcoming Thursday night. Join us, FNTSY on YouTube. You can watch us, of course, FSTSY radio app. You can listen to us. It'll be going down right there from Rock and Rollins. It's going to be a wild night. Emory going to have on a green jacket. It's going to be girls in bikinis. It's just going to be madness, nuts right there in Rock and Rollins in Midtown Manhattan. So make sure you come holler at us, 35th Street and 7th Avenue at the Renaissance Hotel. E, you just sound like you're riding around. You want to hang out with us for another segment? I got to hang out. We ain't got nothing to do. It's Sunday, man. It's beautiful. I got nothing to do. What's up? It is a nice day outside, E. It is. Finally, finally, I would like to see some spring around these parts. No spring. You know what I'm saying, E? It hasn't, the weather has not cooperated with us yet. And you being from, you know, from the bayou, you shouldn't, you, this, is, this weather is not, you know, conducive to you. No, this actually works, man. I actually love uh, this time of year, man. I don't mind the cold weather, to be honest. Uh, it's matter, as a matter of fact, I was I felt as though I played better in cold weather as opposed to the heat, and and you know I hated the heat, and you know cold weather makes you feel like you have to run fast to stay warm, and that's what I need. I need all the help I can get. E, but it's were not you, like you, you, uh, uh, yeah. Were you a no sleeves guy? Did you wear you know the the, the t shirt underneath when it was ten below? Yeah, I was like Tim Brown out there. I wore everything. <laughs> All right, he's been cool enough to hang out with us. One more segment, Fancy Football Frenzy, right here on FNTSY Radio. Be right back with you. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. 
Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Fancy football friends, you talking with Emory Hunt, Czar the Telestrator. I mean the Telestrator. <laughs> that's that's Mike Fratello, my baddie. <laughs> he is Emory's Czar the Playbook. Tony Sincata is the fantasy shamer. Oh, I got one more segment to go. I want to thank everybody for rocking with us on this Sunday afternoon draft coming up this weekend live from Big D, Dallas, Texas. Glad to have it in Dallas. So this way when Roger Goodell steps to the podium, he can get a full-throated boo from 100,000 Dallas Cowboy fans for uh, stealing a championship from us last season. <clears throat> now, Emery, who is going to be the first Georgia Bulldog running back to go in this draft? Sony Michelle. Um, because is that he, is now is that the right pick or is that a trendy pick? No, that's the right pick. Uh, when okay. you look at how the game is played and, and what you have to have to be effective. I believe Michelle has that. You know, he's the the guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. And and when we say that, well, I know when I say that, I'm talking about being a downfield receiver, not your standard uh, meets expectations back that's a receiver. Like, you know, I expect you to catch swings, screens, flares, and and flat routes, right? But I'm talking about being a downfield threat in the past game. Sonny Michelle can do that. Um, He's also a quick starter, so he doesn't need volume. Um, Some backs like Chubb need volume to, to be effective. And I think he still has a little bit more upside left in his game because he split time at Georgia and now as a full uh, as a full time back or in a full time role. I think you can really exploit what he brings to the table more so than than uh, Nick Chubb. Who is the quarterback not in the first six quarterbacks that you feel is most NFL ready? That's a great question. I like how you prefaced it. Um, I would have to say, uh, you know, you got to go to a, a small school. Um, there's two guys. I'll give you two. One, Kyle Oletta out of Richmond uh, because he's been productive. He actually has stepped up more so than Josh Allen in big games. He led the Richmond Spiders over uh, the Virginia Cavaliers in a big-time upset last year where he threw forward 300-something yards, four touchdown passes. Um, good enough athlete to get out there on the move and make things happen with his leg. Uh, he was also the MVP of the Senior Bowl, so he was really able to step up and step in and play well all week. He was actually the most consistent quarterback all week long. I tweeted that out when I was in Mobile, and he ended up showing that uh, in the game and winning MVP. The second guy is, uh, is going to be a surprise because people look at him as a non-NFL quarterback, but when you talk about being battle-tested, consistent, constantly playing in big games and, in some cases, winning big games, JT Barrett. I mean, when you look at his numbers, juxtaposed to a guy that's being talked about being in the first round in Mason Rudolph, I, I'm still trying to figure out the big game Mason Rudolph has won. You know, But I, I can point to about five big games that JT Barrett has won. Every time a big game Oklahoma State needed to win, uh, Mason Rudolph came up small. And so I think when you look at JT Barrett, and look at how he plays. He doesn't turn the ball over. He, he's good athletically. Um, he makes decent throws. Uh, it doesn't have the, the strongest of arms, but neither does Mason Rudolph. So if you're going to take a chance on a guy in the mid-round and try to throw, trot him out there as a starter if you need someone to win a game or two, 
uh, because your starting quarterback is hurt, I would say JT Bear would be a much better option than a Mason Rudolph. You know what, Emory? I find it very interesting. Um, after watching the Ohio State bowl game, I was like, there's been no better football player throughout the bowl season than JT Barrett. But nobody talks about him as a starting quarterback in the NFL. They don't even talk about him as a draft pick. What 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 am I what are what are these executives missing? The obvious answer is that they're they're it's you know, dealing with um how Barrett looks, but uh, the football answer is you know, people, let's say with, with J.T. Barrett, right, um, people can't get – it's the same thing you're seeing with Lamar Jackson. People can't ignore his ability as a runner, as if that's all he can do. And I always say this, take away the ability, the rushing yards and the rushing touchdowns, take all of that away and just focus on what they do as passers. You'll see J.T. Barrett protects the football. He makes efficient throws. He keeps the offense on pace, and he's big time inside the red zone. That's winning quarterback play, which is why Ohio State has always won, uh, let's say, WG games and, and has won big games and played in bigger bowl games. Uh, we see the same thing, to be honest, with a guy like that's going to be coming out next year that people love to rag on and Jake Browning at Washington. But all he does is have his upkeep in big games. Just opposed to a guy in the Pac-12 that we're talking about now and Josh Rosen, who's there and people t- are talking about him as a, a top-flight quarterback. And the, his UCLA Bruins is 75, and he hadn't been – the same since Brett Huntley left, but Brett Huntley gets railed on because of what he, you know, perceived can do or can't do. So I think when people are starting to look at these quarterbacks, especially now with the way college football is, you've got to factor in what they do on the ground with their legs as far as converting first downs. It may not be the outstanding athleticism of a Lamar Jackson where he has 1,600 yards rushing, but if you have a quarterback that can get you 400 yards on the ground and 10 touchdowns, that translates to maybe two to three first downs a game which then can extend drives and also becomes a weapon inside the red zone. So teams have to have to look at this thing holistically and say, you know what, this guy can keep the chains moving and help us win. You know, we, we're not hearing a lot of talk about the tight end position. Hayden Hurst in South Carolina uh, is a name. Is What's your thoughts on the tight end position in this draft? It's funny because when you look at the tight end and the receivers and the running backs, I think they're all around the same uh, going through the same thing. This is a year where the top heavy prospects aren't as uh, in abundance as the as the depth of the the class. And I think because uh, at football game plan we break up the the tight end position as inline players, uh, flex guys like your Jimmy Graham's and um, your H backs guys like Delaney Walker. Uh, so I think when you look at these flex options, which are more common now in college football, you see a ton of talent. Um, some inline guys that can definitely play. I can make a case for two tight ends going in round one. Again, you look at maybe Baltimore. You look at Dallas could be an option because Jason Witten is another one that just is not – he's going to get older, but he still run the same speed. Um, you can make a case for New Orleans um, needing a tight end as well. So I think the tight end position, you, maybe one goes in the first round, but some team is going to get a ton of depth uh, between rounds two and three because a lot of guys can do multiple things. Talking with Emory Hunt, football game plan, the uh, czar of the playbook. E, my Dallas Cowboys have been rumored to be in love with this uh, this Maryland wide receiver, DJ Moore. What can you tell me about him? DJ Moore, is a, a, he's a, a guy that's good after the catch. Like, he's not explosive um, 
you know, as far as play, his playing speed is concerned, uh, he's not going to get that much separation, but he's tough. He's going to win at the catch point. People talked about him in the same breath as Steve Smith, but they left out the part that Steve Smith was a tremendous athlete, and Moore is a good athlete, not tremendous. So he's a possession receiver, I believe, um, that can pick up. He's almost like a golden tape, you know, where you don't – you rather get the ball to him short and allow him to do things afterwards, but you can't rely on him going deep down the field. He's more of a second to third round type pick, in my opinion. Okay. You know, it's interesting when you look at some of these players, and we talked about guys uh, that will last. Who do you think will be the drama of day one, the one player that gets left on the board that people have high expectations for? Man, that's a great question. I think I honestly believe uh, smart minds will prevail and a guy like Josh Allen will fall in the draft. Uh, because if NFL teams just base it on the tape, this guy shouldn't sniff the top 10, let alone the first round. So I think when it's all said and done, we're going to see a guy. Um, I think NFL teams will be lower on Josh Allen than the media is because you can't justify taking someone that high that doesn't that hadn't done it consistently on tape especially in the bigger games against higher competition Emery, in the next uh three to four years there's going to be two more leagues pop up obviously none of these leagues will be as popular as the nfl you have the xfl and then you have the league that dick epersol is creating a lot of the knock against these leagues obviously we know it's not going to be the nfl but is that the talent is going to be so poor that you're not going to want to watch it anyway. Is there enough talent to fill two more leagues in a professional football? I absolutely believe so. And it's funny people feel that way because at the start of last season, there were more undrafted free agents on rosters than drafted players. So that wow. tells you a lot of what is out there that doesn't get drafted. And, I, you know, when you – when you look at guys that go undrafted, and I, you know, I, let's say for for instance, I grade about 530 prospects a draft season, so only 265 gets drafted or 262. So there's about 300 guys that I feel as though have that have pro talent. So there's enough uh, uh, talent out there to fill two leagues. The the thing is, you have to taper your expectations about what you expect to see. People always complain about, oh, man, I miss football. I wish football was back on. And then when the preseason comes on, they instantly turn to, oh, I hate preseason football. Preseason football sucks. Then Thursday night football comes on. Oh, I hate Thursday night. So people got to make up their mind. Do they want more football or do they not? You know, and if, I think the best thing to help out the NFL would be to expand the rosters because here's the thing. They already go to camp with 90-man rosters. Let that be your roster and let the 45 that don't make the – the, the the regular week one roster that's your your uh that's your Taxi developmental squad. team exactly yeah. Yeah. so you think you know almost like a JB squad so, so to speak so those guys will play other teams maybe that Thursday or that Wednesday um, so that way those guys continue to stay fresh and they they already are in the system so if you need to call up one you can so that's how I would do it but so that tells you right then and there if the league brings nine into camp that there's there's they think enough to, of guys to put them on an NFL roster for training camp. That that tells you there's enough guys to to really fund a second league, uh, two leagues. 
You know, it's interesting when you think about the two-league aspect. We have a situation where it looks like the, there's not enough quality quarterback in the NFL. What do you? What's your thoughts on trying to get more quarterbacks involved? And do you feel like the, the quarterback position is a little shallow on depth, especially with a lot of the colleges playing, um, you know, different types of offenses than the pro offenses uh, that we currently use in the NFL? I think that's the problem, uh, and it's more along the lines of NFL coaches and general managers not being open-minded. If they were more open-minded, they, they wouldn't have a, quarter, a quarterback problem. You know, if you think about it, we just talked about how a guy like J.T. Barrett is not even getting getting any sniff or anything like that. A guy like Terrell Pryor wouldn't have to move to receiver when you have T.J. Yates out there still earning NFL paychecks playing quarterback when you know he's terrible. There wouldn't be a Tom Savage having to start in front of a Deshaun Watson when you know Tom Savage is garbage. Is garbage. So that's, the league has to be more open-minded because that's what the college game has done. And that has transformed the college game and has leveled the playing field. So if they start to think a little bit more open-minded and creatively, then they'll find it. they solve their quarterback quote-unquote crisis. The biggest issue is the lack of offensive line development. I think that's a direct reflection of not having a lot of offensive linemen on the roster. They only have maybe seven offensive linemen uh, on a roster, and maybe five or six are, are active on game day. Expand the roster, at least allow you to carry maybe 14 offensive linemen because every other position can run through one, two, one through uh, third teamers as opposed to an offensive lineman. Guys have to either move to guard or tackle just to, so the other guy can take a breather. I think that's where the development has to happen because you can't really expect a, a 22-year-old rookie to step in in a league where grown men uh, along the line of scrimmage and, and ask them to compete at a high level, you have to get athletes to that, and I think that's where the development really needs to take place. E, um, who's the second best running back in this draft? Rashad Penny. And that's uh, in a tight between Rashad, Rashad Penny and also Sony Michelle. I think a you know, you could you could make an argument for Sony Michelle or Rashad Penny for Mark Walton out of Miami, um, and I wouldn't be upset. And Ronald Jones out of USC. You can make a case for all those guys. And guys, uh, but for me, I like Rashad Penny because of the home run capability. And the reason why I like him more so than a guy, let's say, like a, a Ronald Jones, is that Penny is a more natural runner that can create on his own. Jones needs a lane, and he's going to shoot right through it. He's a a, a souped-up version of a Marlon Mack. Um, but Penny, is, to me, is like a pre-injury Willis McGahee, and we all know how special that dude was when he was running the football at Miami. Oh my God, Willis! I love Willis McGay. He one of my favorite NFL players of all time. Um, I noticed you didn't. Uh, nobody's mentioning Darius Geis' name no more. A year ago, people would think that Darius Geis would have been the first running back to go out of this class. Yeah, and, and here's the reason why: because people love uh, always is like how they say everyone in town loves the backup quarterback until he gets out there and plays. Well, everyone loves. The, the backup running back on the team until he actually becomes a starter. And I think when you look at Geis, Geis is a tremendous tailback. The problem with Geis projecting him forward is that he takes on too much contact. Now, it can work, but, you know, do you expect that style to work for, let's say, seven years, right? Um, and even this year at LSU, you know, he, he I don't want to say he missed games, but he missed time within games. Uh, and, and that, you know, trans, uh, transform, uh, trans, uh, moving forward to the NFL, um, he's going to miss games. And you don't want a guy to, to, that constantly takes on contact. you got to be able to make guys miss. You don't have to be Barry Sanders, but you can't be out there like Bam Morris either. 
You know what I'm saying? So you got to find a happy medium. And I think when you look at Geis, if he can be a little bit more judicious with when, uh, when and where he takes contact, I think he can sustain success over the course of a season and survive the, the rigors of playing a physical position in a physical game. What about the defense side? You know, it's interesting. We talked about the Cleveland Browns earlier. I thought it would be a good move for them if they could get in the fourth pick to draft Chubb. Last year they picked a defensive end first, and then they have an impact from two pass rushers. What's your thoughts on that kind of a move for the Cleveland Browns? It would it would be okay if they didn't build this dude, Garrett, to be the most generational talent prospect since, you know, Lawrence Taylor slash Reggie White you know, then you would need another defensive because you got Agba out there. But the fact of the matter is they should have took Deshaun Watson number one last year instead of a dog on DN. Um, but if they go Chubb, I, you know, and, and build with Chubb and, and, and Agba and Garrett, and I know between Chubb and Agba, they can both fill time inside in situational uh, rushing um, downs. And I think that could help get them to be one of the, more feared defensive lines in the league and try to win up front as opposed to trying to win on the back end. So it would be a good move. Um, you hope they can try to parlay, you know, extra picks to get back into the first round to maybe get another position player in addition to maybe a Chubb and a Barkley and then trying to find a quarterback that way. So I wouldn't mind the move. Um, it would be interesting to see if they can, how they can come away with three guys instead of two in the first round. All right. Thanks a lot, Emory, my man, Emory Hunt football game plan the czar the playbook don't forget this upcoming thursday night live thursday night beginning at 8 p.m eastern we go live from studio 34 take you through the first round introduce you to the fantasy football stars of tomorrow e thanks a lot my man appreciate that guys y'all keep having fun on this night sunday afternoon tony sincata my man good stuff today always enjoy it uh take care my man all right, that is us, the Fantasy Football Frenzy, right here on FNTSY Radio. Shout out to my guy, Pete Considori. We out.